Big Red Revival. All right, welcome into the Big Red Revival podcast, Season 3, Episode 7. Well, the Huskers traveled down to Norman and lost a heartbreaker, 16-23, to and uh, a game that could be classified in a, with a bunch of uh, what-ifs. Uh, but you know the old saying, you know, if, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, you know, that old thing. So uh, Nebraska left a lot of points out there on the board. Obviously, special teams continue to, uh, to jump up and bite Nebraska. But uh, I think overall a very good showing that we saw out of Nebraska. Of course, Adrian Martinez showed up and uh, has continued, uh, showed up to be the guy that we're expecting to be this season after the first game where he kind of laid an egg. It's been uh, nothing but uh, positive and a great play out of Adrian Martinez. But, um, you know, Zach, this, like, this game could be classified. You could talk about it a couple different ways. You know, it's kind of a glass half full, glass half empty type of thing. Um, you know, I'm not sure if there's any moral victories for this program at this point, you know, in year four under this under this uh, coaching staff and this regime. But um, I think I think uh, I think a lot of us left that game feeling feeling pretty good about Nebraska in a lot of ways, but uh, also in a lot of ways still kind of uh, still the same bugaboos kind of jumped up and bit us. But, um, you know, just kind of let's just start with the positive stuff of what we saw out there Saturday. Um, let's just go kind of glass half, half full. What, what, what did you see out of Nebraska Saturday that you liked? First off, there's no such thing as moral victories. I hate to be the, I hate to be the, you know, the, the Debbie Downer here, but I just, I cannot stand that phrase because moral victory means you lost and you're okay with losing. And that's just (laughs) never going to, never going to sit well with me, but on the positives with your morals. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, on the positives, you know, there's a lot to unpack and, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm still hopeful. Um, you know, I'm still optimistic to an extent for for this team, but at the same time, I'm frustrated because it's a lot of the same stuff. And right. so, again, we're going to stay positive here for the time being. So, uh, yeah, like you said, t- 2 a.m. Martinez, man, he is just ever. Si- I think it's ever since we started talking about how we were in desperate need of that dude, he's become mm-hmm. that in a big way. I mean. He is sitting fifth in the no, is it fifth in the country in passing yards? Sixth first in the, in the Big con- Ten. Yeah, first in the Big Ten, sixth in the country in QBR, which is a big deal. And then he's right. still like in the top 30, 27, 26 in rushing yards on the year. And, you know, not to mention with I think it's 150 total touches on the season, he's got two turnovers. And the one right. one was basically a punt. So um, yeah, exactly. You, know, yep. you can't really hate on that, but um more positives is we're seeing we're seeing guys like Omar Betts and uh, o- Omar Manning and Xavier Betts really kind of shape into form and and start showing a presence on the field, which is very good, you know, for the future. So um, right. offensively, I think I think that's that's kind of where you want to start. Um, and then defensively, they're just a lot of the same. I mean, they're they've just been stout, they've been gritty, they've you know been flying around making plays. I mean, they held one of the most electric offenses in the country to zero quote unquote big plays on the day. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's a lot you can really, you know, dissect it down to, but overall as a unit that, that those guys are really going out there and balling. 
Right. You know, last week we, you know, I asked the question, I was like, you know, Nebraska, you know, I didn't feel like they were doing anything great on defense, but they're putting up uh, great numbers, like mainly the number that counts as scoreboard. Uh, you know, they had only given up 10 points in the last two weeks. They came into Oklahoma and uh, held held uh, Oklahoma to 23 or 21 points themselves, too, was on the special teams, uh, which this was the first time since 2015 Oklahoma hadn't scored over 24 points. So, um, and, you know, you had brought up last week, I, I couldn't put my finger on what was what the defense is doing well. And you were like, you know, they're not missing tackles. Well, that wasn't the case on Saturday because uh, they were they were missing tackles uh, left and right out there. Um, but they were just you – know, it was a lot of bending and not breaking, you know. It's like when they needed to get this, a stop, they were getting off the field. Uh, when they needed to get the the offense, the ball back there late, uh, when, you know, after that incredible, incredible, I mean, sports center number one play interception that uh, the Oklahoma cornerback had that, you know, kind of kind of put him in a bad spot because it gave him the ball on the three-yard line. Um, but you know, what a, what a fucking catch that was. So all the credit um, in the world to him for that. Yeah. Nebraska was able to force a three and out there. And when, after they punted, we got the ball back on the 38 yard line and plus territory and we're able to go ahead. And that was his possession where Adrian Martinez hit, uh, Omar Manning with that, uh, nice little post route, uh, there with that diving catch from Omar Manning to get him his first touchdown in a Husker uniform. So, uh, just, like I said, I still can't quite put my finger on what the defense is doing so well besides keeping points off the board. I mean, like I said, this is the first time since 2015 Oklahoma hasn't scored over 24 points. Uh, so we held them to 408 yards, total yards, which this is the first time in eight games Nebraska had given up over 400 yards, and it was a lonely 408. So, And uh, Oklahoma's averaging 650, and they're averaging 48 points a game, and they put up 23. So – the defense is doing something well. Um, the defense line's getting a lot of pressure still. The sacks aren't quite there. <laughs> the linebackers, Henrik and uh, um, Luke Reimer, are playing really well. Uh, Heinrich missed uh, missed a bunch of tackles in the hole, but um, just has a high motor and keeps going. He just plays. He's, he's so instinctive. Um, he's maybe not as athletic as you'd like him to be. I don't know if it has to do with, you know, He's had a couple of knee surgeries in his day, but um, he just gets after it. Luke Grimer, I mean, just a heat-seeking missile out there. So mm-hmm. the defense is just flying around, and then you got you have the emergence of uh, your uh, number two corner that uh, you know may have overtaken your number one corner in Quentin Newsom. Quentin Newsom's out there uh, has overtaken Cam Taylor Britt as the number one corner for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and uh, and I think if you ask a lot of people, it's not even particularly close at this point, uh, especially if you just take this season on its face and not uh, not the career. Obviously, Cam Taylor Britt's had a an excellent career for Nebraska. Obviously, the end of last year, he was playing as well as any corner in the nation, but. Um, I think that just the trying to make the big play every play has kind of hampered Kim Taylor Britt this season. And Quentin Newsom has stepped up and has just been been great over there. And he's a big, big corner. And then you saw Braxton Clark come in, who's an even bigger corner, six foot four. You usually don't see corners out there that big, but um, those guys have really stepped up, played well. Obviously, the safeties have been pretty consistent. You know, in years past, they've been guys that kind of come up and just looking to you know, lay a hit on you and not wrapping up. I think their tackling's been better, haven't been beat over the top. So defense just is, uh, you know, living up to expectations. This defense is going to give us a chance to win every single game. So, so what what else you got to say about the defense and the kind of season they're having so far? Yeah, and uh, to your point with Cam Taylor-Britt, you know, if, if we're going to look at it, like we've been saying, as a glass half full, I think it's a good thing, you know, that a guy is willing to come in there and, and – 
and test a senior, or I guess he's a junior captain for his starting spot and a guy that had a lot, you know, a ton of ceiling coming into this season um, and a guy that came back that probably could have gotten drafted last year. And so right. if we if we have guys that are able to come in and still play at a high level um, at, at that point, that's fine. You know, if, yep. you know, that's, that's a good thing. So um, credit to those guys for, you know, coming in and making plays, you know, against, again, one of the most electric offenses in the offenses in the country, but um, as a defense as a whole, um, and this might be just a, a team as a whole, um, I felt like one thing that really stood out to me from Saturday was the fact that we just controlled the tempo of the game. Right. And, um, you know, there were, there were certain times, uh, certain situations that get overlooked uh, pretty easily, but just going back to where they got it down to like the one or two yard line and we, we made them work for it and, and um, stuffed them a couple of times. And then finally they, I'm not even sure that I'm yeah. sure he was in there. Like, yeah, they, exactly. And he was laying in there once he got, you know, when they unpiled everybody, but his mm-hmm. knee, I felt hit pretty hit really early in that whole situation. And and that drains the momentum because if it's a big play and they get in that end zone there, you know, the, the place explodes, but then there's just kind of the, a couple plays where they, you know, it, the, the momentum kind of just kind of leaks out a little bit and it's not as exciting of a, of a, of a deal, but th- you could say, you know, that shifted when we scored and they took back the two point conversion. Um, right. But just, you know, momentum shifters like that, I think are huge. And, you know, we, we came out with a game plan offensively and defensively to slow down the game. Um, and, you know, we, we were playing way off those receivers and not giving them anything over the top and just little things like that allowed us to, like we were talking about last week, just stay in the game, stay, hang in there, hang in there. And, and we did. And, you know, the defense definitely gave us all the opportunity in the world to get that win. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the th- same things that have been killing us all year, they uh, they they showed their ugly faces again. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think this was the uh, Scott Frost's best uh, game called Agreed. Uh, as far as the play Agreed. calling. Um, you know, just looking at the stats here, we had 38, 38 rushes and 20, 25 passes. So um, that's the kind of balance you'd like to see obviously the 38 rushes only allotted us 95 yards um but you know at the end of the day it's not obviously you'd like to see you uh your running backs getting more than 2.5 yards of carry i mean that's as bad as it gets as far as uh, <laughs> as far as a rushing attack goes uh 2.5 yards you want to see it up in the neighborhood of four yards four to five yards per carry but it's just the fact to show that he didn't get, get away from the run game because it wasn't working so much and you saw a couple plays there like when we had the ball, we were pinned on our own end, are in our own end, and uh, Ramirez ripped off that what 11, 12 yard run when it was, it was Gabe Urban, wasn't it? it? was Gabe Urban. Was it, okay, yep. And then um, you know, just it's just the showing the fact that you're willing to stay consistent and keep doing it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you don't want to get greedy and just start passing because the run game isn't working. Just the fact that he stuck with it, I just thought that was the best play calling um, I've seen from Scott Frost in quite some time. If you know. Um, and then, you know, like we talked, touching on before the emergence of, um, Omar Manning and Xavier Betts, um, <clears throat> we've talked about this at nauseum, um, about, you know, the whole mantra of the no block, no rock. And, you know, we couldn't get our, our highly recruited, uh, athletic receivers on the field because I don't know, there's countless different things. You know, they, they didn't know the playbook, they're injured, they had mental health, they, they weren't blocking downfield. It was a litany of, you know, of th- excuses of why these guys weren't on the field. And then you finally get to see these guys, you know, make a play. It's like, you know, what, what, what do you need to know in the playbook to make that play Xavier Betts made? 
he the ball he said or excuse me, Adrian Martinez said hike and he just ran by his guy down the sideline and caught a 50-yard bomb. Like you don't need to, you know, know what the goddamn blocking scheme is to just run past your guy and catch the ball. I mean, that's it. I mean, it's pretty pretty point blank there. Um, and then obviously Omar Omar Manning with his uh first touchdown with that nice layout catch where what a ball by Adrian Martinez, you know, put it. You know, I I've been watching that uh, the Peyton Manning, Elon Manning Monday Night Football, or whatever. I don't know if you've seen that or not, mm-hmm. but you know they were saying, you know, the old saying of the fifty fifty ball. You know, give your receiver a chance, and they're like, I don't like that fifty fifty ball. It's our ball or no ball, or nobody's ball, and that's what that was. It was either our guy was going to catch it or nobody was going to catch it. You know, it wasn't a fifty fifty ball, and he gave uh, Manning a chance, and Manning laid out and brought it in, and you just kind of see everything that, uh, you know, has been talked about the guy that the potential is there. So you just want to see those guys get on the field more and get more opportunities to get out and show their skill because plays like that, they're going to flash, you know, they may not, you know, be the best blocker on the screen pass or know all the plays, but they need to be in there because they're capable of just doing like Xavier Betts did lined up, had a guy on him, man to man, and just ran by the motherfucker. That's, I mean, there's, there's some things you can't teach, you know, and that's one of them. So and I it think, was good to see those guys. And I think we are all starting to get to that point where we're getting a little impatient with Omar Manning and all the hype he had coming in and then just didn't really see him much last year and then kind of a slow start to this year. And then we we finally saw it and in, in big moments too. I mean, the, his first catch of the game was, I think, a third and long. He caught it over the middle and another strike from Martinez. But just showing up in those big moments and making plays, you know, when your team really needs you to do it, is is going to continue to uh, get you on the field and keep you on the field, and it's gonna it's gonna instill that trust from your teammates too that you're going to be a guy that you want out there. You, you want you want to see that guy in the huddle, or if we ever right. huddle, but you want to you want to be able to look that guy in the eye and know that he's going to be out there making plays for you. Um, and like you said, there's no 50-50 balls when when you get a guy kind of in his zone like he's starting to get. Um, you know, it's hard not to go his way. Right. Yeah, and uh, you know the other aspect of the offense. Obviously, the uh, skill positions are. You're seeing the why. You know, Frost said this was his most talented team since he's been here. Um, if everybody's healthy, uh, wide receiver wise, obviously we still haven't seen um, Oliver uh, Martin back, which you know he might be our best, our second best all around receiver. Um, Samari Torrey kind of had an off game to, uh, last this weekend, um, but we all know what he's capable of. Obviously, he's flashed in all three games this season. So, um, you know, to get Oliver Martin back, but uh, this was our first game where we had Volkolek back. And then Austin Allen, obviously, I don't know if he was in concussion protocol or whatnot, but to see though both those tight ends back, I mean, just it made a huge super difference. dangerous. Oh, made absolutely. A huge difference. You could you could see Volkolek out there just looks like a grown man. and Yeah, um, especially you know, in the run game. Sitting yeah. in that too tight set because obviously Nebraska um, – you know, we talked about last week how they looked like, uh, you know, the New York subway turnstiles out there um, are both our tackles. Um, I, don't, I don't know, guys. There's not much I can say. Obviously, you know, I, you know, said said my piece about these guys last week. Um, they just the film, the film don't lie. Everybody sees it. Um, they're just not playing anywhere near how you need to be able to play to win football games. Um, and both of them very highly recruited. I mean, Cochran are. Yeah, is it Cochran? Corcoran. Corcoran. Yeah. yeah. 
kid from Kansas. Tomato, kid tomato, from Kansas. tomato, potato, exactly. potato. I mean, the kid was almost a five star, and um, he's he's getting bullied around. Our two guards are getting pushed around, and but you know who's not getting pushed around? <laughs> he's <laughs> doing the pushing. <laughs> yeah, because there's there's one guy on that offensive line that ain't getting pushed around. He gets. Uh, yeah, Cam Jurgens uh, woke up Saturday and decided to choose violence. Woke up um, feeling dangerous. Yeah, so he woke up and chose violence on Saturday. Cam Jurgens um, was exactly what you want to see out of an offensive lineman. Um, he was bullying people, and once he knocked you down on your ass, he fucking jumped on you and finished the goddamn he let play. let you know about it. He let you know Exactly. About it. And then, you know, we have a screen play that goes 50 yards down the field, and all of a sudden you look up, and your center is 60 yards down the field on a corner, just, I mean, bullying the guy. I mean, just schoolyard. Michael Orn. Yeah. I think he snatched his chain and got in his pockets, got his lunch money and all that shit. Um, he ended up getting two personal fouls, but I will take those every day of the week. You know, when you when you were penalties where you're trying hard and being aggressive, those are penalties that we can all accept. Penalties were four starting offensive linemen get four false starts on the first possession of the game. How does that happen, Zach? I don't know. It's... It was mind-boggling, yet we still overcame it. <laughs> we right. kept getting first downs because I don't know how it happens. That's just – it's unforgivable. It's it's things that just should never happen, especially two right out of the gate. I mean, <laughs> it, it's just hard not to – it's hard not to yell at the TV when when stuff like that's happening. And we're watching it in a garage on Saturday, and we got probably neighbors down the street like, what the hell is going on over there? Because, I mean – it's, you, you can't let that stuff happen. You can't continue to make these mental mistakes. And what's frustrating is, you know, the offensive line, there's plays where they just don't look like they know what the hell they're doing. And then there's some yep. plays where they create this huge pocket for Martinez. And guess what happens on those plays? He's right. able to settle in there and deliver you know, great plays. passes and get first downs. But, I mean, especially against a team like Oklahoma, you can't start with two false starts and then just back your offense up like that. Right. You can't expect to go on the road and knock off the number three team in the country with a bunch of mental mistakes. The first two plays of the game for us were false start, false start. I mean, so we're starting first and 20 before we even snap the fucking ball. And mind you, this wasn't the Penn State whiteout. This wasn't fucking the LSU night game. This fucking that crowd was I mean, they were into it, but that crowd was not loud enough where it's like, oh, I can't hear the snap count. Those were I'm nervous, I'm scared or I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. One of the three, or maybe even all three, which are, it's, it's terrible. And then, you know, it proceeded after two of them got uh, false starts. You know, the other two had to get some on yeah, the drive, like, too. Hold, hold my beer. I want one, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yo, you get you getting a false start? Let me get one of them. Let I'll me get one of them yellow having. flags. Let me get one of them yellow <laughs> flags on the floor. <laughs> right. I'll take what he's having. So um, four penalties on the offensive line on the first possession. And still, we somehow managed to get three points out of the drive. Um, even, you know, Martinez converted, I think on third and 20, third and 12, third and nine on that possession to keep the drive alive. And then lo and behold, you know, out March is Connor Culp, you know, the, uh, the state of Nebraska, obviously has got a lot of issues with this guy currently. Um, can't kick Culp. Yeah. So he marches out there for a 51 yard field goal. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's almost easier to, for the ones that you aren't expected to hit, you know, like the gimmies. You know, the wide open catches, you know, it's like where no one else around you. Sometimes are the, those are the hardest. So lining up for a 51-yard field goal, everybody's kind of like, oh, shit. And then then he punched it right down the middle. And it's like, okay, okay, you know, he's back. You know, you know, just had to get over the yips. And now a nice 51-yard field goal. 
right down the middle. And it's like, okay, we're on, you know, great possession. It's seven to three to start the game and you're feeling pretty good. The defense comes out and gets a couple stops. Um, and the offense moving the ball. The, the one thing that we still haven't quite been able to, uh, get, get figured out is the running back rotation. Um, I'm not sure why it hasn't been figured out, but, um, Marquis Step, who started the last two games at running back, um, saw. Let me check the notes here. One, two, three, four. Zero carries and zero snaps the game. So, um, and then your other running back, who's from Oklahoma, who broke every single rushing record in the history of Oklahoma high school football, Savion Morrison, who some of us believe may be the best all around back. Uh, let's see how many he got. Sam, one, two, three, uh, one. So, it's just, it's just. I don't know if there's the there's. There's no rhyme or reason to the running back room. It's just like – and don't get me wrong, Ramir Johnson played very well. He did, um, yeah. Ramir Johnson looked really well, so I'm not not saying he shouldn't be in there, but it's just like when you see you know, uh, Marquis Stepp start the previous two games and play what we all would co- you know consider pretty decent and then to not even get on the field. I mean, he didn't get in and just not get a carry. He didn't even get a fucking snap on the field. So just a little, little odd. Gabe Irvin – you know, we thought it was starting to turn the corner, and then unfortunately, he had a uh, a really gruesome knee injury out there. I think it's been classified as a dislocated kneecap, which is going to go ahead and uh, effectively, yeah, effectively end his freshman season. So, um, there's one less there in the running room. Um, and then, then, Yance, then he gets to redshirt, then doesn't he? Yes, because this was game four, so yeah. he didn't burn burn a year, so he is half full. He, We're sticking with glass half full. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, but no, the, you know, I kind of want to talk about those tight ends again. I mean, they made some big catches uh, Saturday. Volklek, I think really you're going to feel his presence in the run game because obviously we talked about the two, the two tackles uh, just being turnstiles out there. Um, and then we are bringing in the, uh, the freshman left tackle from Elkhorn here and we we're lining him up as tight end to uh, stay in and block. And if you watch that last possession, um, where we got the ball with uh, was well, just under a minute left, down down seven, you know, game on the line. See if we can put together a drive. Frost dials up a seven man protection, so that is a max protect. So that's you know keeping all your offensive linemen in, plus your two tight ends, and five people hit the quarterback. <laughs> I mean, you can't make that shit up. I mean, you you call a max protect and five people sack your quarterback. I mean, you just start you just start wondering if you know, who really wants it? Because I've always contended that offensive line is not about skill. Skill is a part of it, but it's more about mindset and want to. And I think that we've got a bunch outside of, once again, outside of Cam Jurgens, because like you said, um, I think that might be one of the last guys you want to wake up or see in a dark alley because uh, he kind of looks like if Brock Lesnar and Scott Frost had like a, a younger brother, you know, like, I mean, he just looks like a, a bad motherfucker, and obviously he's willing to put his hands on people and get get down in the dirt. So um, when I'm talking about the offense line, I'm, not, I'm talking about everybody but him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Schlitterman's the uh, I mean on the uh, the block Ethan extra Piper. point on the block extra point Ethan Piper rather. He, I mean, I mean he's he's been fucking up for like three years now. I mean this yeah. is this isn't anything new. This is like chapter seventy four of his story. I'd never seen anybody get pushed eight yards in the backfield on an extra point. And I mean, the, the extra point you're about to talk about, talk about you know 
another uh, another chapter of the Husker Football Twilight Zone book. <laughs> we bring in all of a sudden a freshman from Ord to right. kick this to kick this ball. Who and... said they've had this guy's had a fucking golden leg? I've been hearing about this guy since he was playing high school football. This guy's got a golden leg, and well, is is it from soccer? Because that that ball. I mean, that ball was kicked so low. I mean, yeah, it was going to hit somebody in the fucking head. Obviously, yeah. I mean, it was going to Luke McCaffrey somebody, but he yeah. he threw the pass, unfortunately. But you, you, it just comes back to these these decisions that seem to be made just kind of out of a on a whim. Like, yeah, did we have no, a plan okay, so to bring in? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, sorry. Um, so we kind of skipped over some stuff there. So obviously, Colin Culp hit the fifty-one yarder, and we're thinking, okay, he's over his yeps. Well, then. Um, Two possessions later, we march him out there on a 50-yarder, and ju- he just misses it. it. Actually hits the goalpost, skims the goalpost, and misses it. Okay, so, you know, 50 yards, and he just misses it. Not a big deal. Um, then on the two possessions later, we line up for about a, I think, a 35-yarder, 32-yarder um, from the corner, from from a hash. So not the – I'm trying to make excuses for him. A kick he should fucking make, and, I mean, didn't even come close. I mean, was going sideways. Got, missed it by a goddamn mile. I mean, just a horrendous kick. And Frost said that he pulled him out not because he missed the kick, but because of his reaction when he came to the sideline. Because you could see he he's it's in his head. I mean, he yeah. missed it. He came over, threw his fucking helmet, and just it's 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 a mental game at this point with him. And so that's why Scott said he made made the change. It wasn't because he missed it. It was because of his reaction after he missed the last one. So. He clearly went to the sideline, had a fucking meltdown. And apparently and, Martinez uh, got after him a little bit on the sideline, too. I, I mean, it'd be hard not to, to be yeah. a teammate of the guy. Um, just, you know, it's like, hey, man, I'm working my fucking ass off against the number three team in the country to get us in position to score. And you're doing this fucking shit. What are you doing during practice, man? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Are you coming to practice? Like, so we put in the backup kicker who, as he's lining up for the extra point, the announcers, you know, throw out there and he is not on the roster. So he wasn't even on the fucking roster. So they had no idea who he was. And Ethan Piper proceeds to get blasted eight yards in the backfield. And we get, not only do we miss the extra point, we get it blocked, filled it and returned for a two point uh, conversion on us. So a three point swing on that one play because our kicker couldn't get it any higher than five, five feet off the ground. Just, I, you literally can't make the shit up. And the I three, mean, it just, it's the just, they mi- find a new way to, you know, just surprise each way. The three mishaps you just mentioned are the difference between winning and losing that game. Correct. I mean, that's eight points. That's eight points I'm talking about right now. Yep. And, and we lost, we lost seven. seven. Yep. It's just, it's incredible the way we have figured out how to lose games. <laughs> it's, it is. We've lost eight games and with uh, by 28 total points is isn't that the stat now or was that what it was going into it i think that's what it was after this game no that's i, I don't know it, it sounds right do because that I mean, sounds right yes it's, it's been a lot of close losses it's just a couple points here and there and that's the difference of bowl games and scott frost being comfortable in it, in his current seat right and, and you know i sat and watched college football the rest of saturday and it's just like Oh shit! Everybody's just kicking the ball right through the uprights like it's no big deal. It's like, so it is just us, you know. It's not that no one else has missed a goddamn field goal. Oklahoma missed one, but it was a fifty-plus yarder, and you know barely missed it. But shout out Greg Zerlin. Hey, for the yes, uh, Greg the leg from uh, Lincoln Pius. Pius. Yep, yeah, came came through for the Cowboys. 
Um, but it's um, it's an embarrassment what the special teams look looks like. And, you know, when all this is said and done and however the season shakes out, um, you know, I think the biggest indictment that's going to go against Scott Frost is the the fact that he was too stubborn to hire a, God, hire a goddamn special teams coach when we have the worst fucking special teams in the country. And we're, we haven't even brought up that we had to bench the punter. You know, we had a new punter in there. He was great, too. Know. He was great. Yeah, he came He came in and played well. The I'm not going to try to say his last name. It's like that P-Y-Z Prizip. Preserp, whatever the hell his name is, instead of that Australian league kicker that fucking can't do shit. We can call we, nobody. We can call him Nebraska's next uh, temporary punter. Yes, yeah, so yeah. The current guy that's about to fucking we're going to talk about next week that's going to do something fucking stupid. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> this next in line, I'll know his name next week because I'm gonna have to fucking talk shit about him. It's funny because so, it's true. Absolutely, absolutely. I will know his name next podcast. I will guarantee you. So, um, just. I don't know. I guess I guess my next question would be, would you feel different about the losing if it was a different thing, a different thing happening to us that caused us to lose? Or does it make you feel better that it's like, okay, <laughs> there's clearly two aspects, offensive line play, special teams. That is literally just killing us. Does that make you feel better that it's just one or two things or and it's not a litany of things why we're losing? Or is it just like, God damn it, why haven't we got this shit fixed? I first off and foremost, I'll say that it's nice that our offense isn't const- or constantly turning the ball over. Uh that's one thing, yes. you know, if 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 there's one thing that drives me just completely insane, it's when the offense is always turning the ball over. So I feel right. good that we've gotten that cleaned up. Obviously, we mentioned the offensive line has a lot of work to do. Um, except for the interior, the extreme interior, the one person in the middle, um, but uh, uh, receivers and, um, you know, I think I think there's talent running backs and I'm almost on on uh, team Ramirez at this point because he looks yep. like he, he looks like he's our best running back all of a sudden. But just like our punter, that changes week to week. So um, exactly. We'll, we'll but um, but as far as, you know, why we keep losing, it is frustrating because it's to me, it's avoidable. Just show, show the special teams a little TLC. I mean, once right. in a while, just little tender love and care. Go up, you know. Um, I mean, I, I I still remember one of our first podcasts when we were like talking, and uh, Scott Frost went on a press conference like, "Oh, I don't really talk to the kickers or punters much," and yep. it's still that still you know shows that it's true. So it it's frustrating, but um, you know, outside of special teams, I think we overall you know, have a lot of promise and we look a lot better than we did, you know, a year or two ago. And uh, you can see the talent level um, changing a little bit um, and and especially size and, you know, our, our skill defensive players, our, our defensive line. But the, God, it just it's so gut wrenching to to lose on field goals missed and like two point conversions that get returned on us. I mean, it's just right. insanity. And we, and you know what the, you know what the definition of insanity is. Yep. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Correct. And that's, that is Husker football in a nutshell. Like that game Saturday was a microcosm of Nebraska football and the Scott Frost era where it's like, Oh shit, we're close. And then it's like, Oh shit. It's still the same shit. Damn it. You know, like fucking like just Frost said the first game of the season felt like the same movie it's like yeah but i i guess i feel like 
I feel like that I, I, we feel like there's more talent out there, especially at the skill positions. Um, and the way this defense is playing, the way the quarterback's playing, and with your skill set, your tight ends, your receivers on offense, it's like Nebraska's going to have a chance to beat every single person on their schedule the rest of the way. It's just going to be a matter of how Nebraska plays himself. It's not going to matter to the opponent. Even Ohio State, Ohio State, I mean, just had Tulsa take him to take him to uh, to the you know the end of the game and barely pulled it out in there. So it's like there's not any team left on our schedule that is head and shoulders better than Oklahoma or better than Oklahoma at all. So it's just going to be a matter of how we come out and play and if we you know decide to be play mistake free football. So I I definitely felt. I didn't feel depressed after the game. I didn't feel let down. I didn't feel like we didn't show up. Um, and, you know, it's kind of just unfortunately where Nebraska football is at, where it's like you're just kind of happy to see them go out and put up a good fight. And, you know, and I said, I think I said last episode, just go out there and look like you belong in the same field as Oklahoma. And we sure as hell did that. I mean, if you ask me, I think that we actually outplayed Oklahoma. Would, we looked like a better team. Yep, I would 100% agree. Yeah, and I think that that was kind of the talking point for most people. It's like, what was the who was the first team everybody talked about out of the game? Not just like Nebraska people, but the national people. They talked about Nebraska, and you know, Joel Klatt had a good. He had a little soliloquy after the game, and he was talking about how when a program starts to turn, you know, the big losses start to turn into little losses, and that's when you're at the tipping point of a turnaround in a program and a team and a coaching staff. And, you know, is hopefully that's kind of what we maybe saw Saturday because Saturday going on the road against the number three team in the country has been historically under the staff, a position that Nebraska likes to go get his fucking doors blown off, you know, in the big game on national TV with all the eyeballs. Um, it was the fourth highest rated uh, watch game of the of the weekend. So um, the fact that they came out there and, you know, looked like they belonged and put on a good show and looked like we, you know, like we could go athlete for athlete with the with Oklahoma. I mean, they, they're lining up a five-star quarterback and three five-star receivers. And if you didn't know that you wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought that just watching the game. So, um, you know, you hope that this could be maybe the corner that gets turned where you're seeing like, okay, we can hang with these top teams. We can play with them. And when you have a quarterback playing as good as Adrian Martinez is and the way the defense is playing, it's like, you're going to give yourself a shot to win any game the rest of the way on the season. So, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Joel Klatt was kind of just trying to talk every Husker fan off the ledge there. Um, yeah. But it was, I mean, what he said was was very well said. And, you know, when when I watch Husker football and you're, you're in the same boat as I am, when you watch Martinez and everything he's gone through over the these last four years and even dating back to his senior year in high school, mm-hmm. you and I have always rooted for him. A lot of people have always kind of been on, on that on that side where they don't think he's, you know, worth a shit. And they, they Mm -hmm. have never thought he's the guy. And I feel like his, his father, when I watch the games, because I am so behind him and the year he's having right now, it just, it, it, it makes me like proud, like a father. And it, and sounds weird. Maybe it is, but um, it's just, that's how much we invest into this, into this team and this program and every, every season. And so when you see a guy playing at the level he is, it's, it's really, really special. And, you know, we haven't we haven't seen a quarterback for a while play this clean of football, and it's you know we we had Tommy Armstrong you know with the Yolo bombs, we had Taylor Martinez with you know whatever he did out there, and then you had Tanner Lee throwing pick sixes every other play. So um, you know he's come a long way, and we all saw the you know the 
the abilities he had as a freshman. And, you know, there were so many things stacked against him every year after that, that finally, mm-hmm. you know, he got in the right shape. He's, he did all the right things as always said, all and the right some things. weapons around him. He's got some weapons around him and he stuck it out. I mean, you don't see that often in college football last year. He could have just taken his ball and gone home like every other college football player, but he, yeah. he, he stayed on the sideline and rooted his dude on. And now look at that dude. I mean, we want, we, we don't want to talk about little Lukey too much, but that dude, right. that dude just stinks. Yeah. He's um, going to be in the portal here soon again. Oh yeah, yep. Um, he's living in that portal. Um, <laughs> he's going to have a he's going to have a uniform number in the portal team. But right. um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's funny because, like you said, we we hope to be in the game, we hope to stick around, we hope to keep it respectable, and then you get there and you get greedy because then you're right. there, you're there at the end of the game, and it's like damn, I want this win. I want to win this. Right. Like we can do this. And we weren't, we weren't outmatched. We came out, like you said, and outplayed him and we had a better scheme. We schemed him up. We had a better right. game plan than them. And all the chips were falling our way because they had two DBs out and they were only down to two running backs going into the game. We, we, we had all of the, the tools that we needed to win that game and still couldn't figure out how to do it. But we hung in there and, you know the 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 guys showed a lot of grit and a lot of uh, a lot of heart. Yeah, exactly. And it's like is Husker Nation and where we're at right now. It's like I'm not asking a lot out of out of this program. You know, it's like go out there and look like you want want to win and look like you're a well coached team. That's it. You know, go out there and look like you you want it and look like you're a well coached organized team. And you know, we looked that way Saturday for the, one of the first times in against a high end opponent opponent in a while. Like I said, that's the the play the play calling from Frost was I thought the best I've seen in a while. I loved the the run to pass ratio. Um, just looked really good. Just looked really good all the way around. And we had we gave ourselves a chance to win at the number three team in the country. And we had an option day. pass in there too. Yes. So it's just um, I I thought we looked great. And you know. The thing about it is we can't we can't let Oklahoma beat us twice um, because the schedule doesn't get any easier. You know we're now a third of the way through through our schedule and we've played four games. We're two and two. Um, I think I think it's Husker Nation. I think we're kind of all on board of getting six wins is is what we're looking for. Nothing more, nothing less. Just yep. six wins. We want to go bowling. So we're five hundred right now. We need to go five hundred the rest of the way to get us where we want to go. And so we've got. Um, eight games left, and five of them come against top twenty-five teams, including this Saturday against an undefeated Michigan State team that looks like uh, looks like they've already turned the corner under their second-year coaching staff. And Mel Turner, Mel Tucker, the coach from Colorado, who uh, Nebraska's already lost to once, uh, that uh, he was the head coach for Colorado when we went out there and blew that seventeen-point uh, lead. Um, they've got a transfer running back in there, just uh, who's currently leading the country in rushing. Um, and shit, one of our former running backs is in the top five rushing too, old, old Greg Bell, um, former transfer, you know, who quit after Zigbo took his spot, uh, transferred out to San Diego State, is now fourth in the nation in rushing. So it doesn't get any easier here. It's um, every week from here on out is a a must-win must win game, and that's the kind of attitude we need to take into each week. So um, it, it was just good after the game, like I said, I – I know there are some people bitching. I I hear from you know if you read Twitter enough, there's enough people bitching. But uh, I left the game feeling pretty good about uh, Nebraska football, and if we can repeat that same performance outside of the fucking kicking aspect of it, I think we're gonna give ourselves a shot to win a lot of our maybe not a lot, but enough games to get us to a bowl. So um, 
what do you got for kind of the outlook on the rest of the season? Is that kind of the the scheme and the plan you'd like to see us with going forward? That kind of r- the run pass ratio we had, or or what are you looking forward to see out of Nebraska the rest of the season? Yeah, I think I think we we talked about it earlier, but you know we've stayed tried and true to to the running back or to the running back room and and the running mm-hmm. approach. I mean, we haven't we haven't panicked ever and just gone away from the run and. I can appreciate that because that opens up a lot of things, you know, in the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, from an offensive uh, offensive scheme. But uh, with with Michigan State, you know, I I think it's two teams going into the game with different different outlooks on what's to come. Um, I think Michigan State is due for a letdown. I think they've definitely, quote unquote, outkicked their coverage so far this year. No one expected them to to be three and oh in this spot. And a lot of people yeah. picked them to be, you know, the bottom dweller of the big 10 East and, and here they are at three and oh, and, you know, we're kind of a team coming out. That's, that's a little more hungry. Um, right. You know, we know, we know we blew one against Illinois players, coaches, fans, everybody knows that we, we left a win out there and some might say we left another one on Saturday too. And, but more so, um, I'm not going to say a moral victory because I don't believe in them, but <laughs> I know that we're coming out of there feeling hungry, feeling confident and feeling like, you know what? We can play with about anybody. And right. that's, that's, a, that's, potential. that's a big deal. That's a big deal for a team's mindset going into the, you know, the last eight games of their season, hopefully nine. And so I think there's two different kind of mentalities going into this game, which is good. If we can steal this one, I don't think Northwestern's worth a shit. I mean, they just got oh, beat by Duke. Yeah, they're <laughs> so, pretty bad. So, uh, but you never can overlook them. That's going to be homecoming, no. another night game at Memorial Stadium for the first time in some time. So I don't think the that the want-to is going to be lacking there. We can mm-hmm. rattle off two straight here and go into, um, you know, the last half of the game, uh, the season, four and two. I think we're putting ourselves in a good spot because – you got the Purdue game. That's a winnable game. And then I right. still think we're due to get get uh, Wisconsin or Iowa this year. So yes. there's the six there's the six wins right there. Yeah. And like I said, it's this is going to be a tough task. Um, you know, Michigan State's playing really good football. Um, you know, the coaches rallying the troops to get all the fans out there. It's a six o'clock kickoff. Uh, looks like it's going to be 60 degrees with a little precipitation. So it's going to be, you know. It's going to be a you know a tough man game. It's going to be a, a run ball control game. And right now, Michigan State's got the number one rusher in the country. So this game is a huge game. They're coming at number twenty in the country and feeling really good about themselves. They just came off of going and beating Miami, who was ranked in the top twenty-five last week. Went down to Miami and just bullied them. So uh, this is going to be a tough game. But I think that we've seen now we have the talent, we have the players, and uh, the scheme to you know to compete with anybody so it's going to be a tough matchup but uh you know i like nebraska to go down there and if they play how they did on on saturday you know they we should have put be in a good position to come out of there with a w and if you can go out of there go in there and come out with a w out of uh, a road victory against a top 25 team which would be scott's first road top 25 win since he's been at nebraska um, would just go a long way within the season. Then, like I said, after that, it's uh, another night game, homecoming against Northwestern, which doesn't seem to be uh, very, very good to say the least. <laughs> so, um, you know, you know, coming into the season, we said it. You know, we need to be all in for for week week zero against Illinois. That was going to be the most important game of the season. 
Well, now eight games left. This is the most important game because this is going to – I think this is going to be the tipping point. Like this is going to be the game that tells it decides whether we get to six wins and go bowling or not, this game at Michigan State. And that's tough. That's a tough ask, you know, to go into uh, number 20s. Uh, field and go ahead and get you know get hand them their first loss of the season so I hope the fellas are up to it you know I hope there's some changes made on the offensive line um, I know there was already some made mid-game but um, you know you can't have you can't go out there and compete with guys that are getting bullied and pushed around like that and you know we're calling you guys out you know you guys are out here doing all these goddamn you know deals I see you on these Nebraska furniture mark commercials you're hawking burritos and shit you motherfuckers need to get your ass in that damn weight room and stop getting pushed around like a bunch of little pussies, okay? You know, and now that you're making money and doing commercials and shit, we'll call you out by your first name. Schlitterman, got your last name. Um, you know, you guys haven't been up to snuff. So I know the rest of your team's looking at you to step up. We are too. So, and you know, Austin- off the commercials and the burrito, the burrito fucking posts and shit, and get out there and put your head in the film and see what the hell's going wrong and get out here and improve and act like you want to whip the motherfucker's ass. Yeah, Austin, Austin Allen kind of kind of nonchalantly called them out um, at the at the uh, the presser on Monday. Um, he said some guys, and he, I mean, he he takes responsibility for things, you know, like a like a normal leader and captain does. But the things he said were kind of like directed at these guys, like, hey, yeah. you know, we all need to take account accountability for our uh, performance out there and we need to look in the mirror and and kind of figure out what we're really trying to uh trying to do here and right. and it was it, it was indirect but it was kind of direct at the same time and i i like yeah. it yeah and you, you know my favorite saying you know it's a fist fight in a phone booth there on the offensive line so it's just a mono e mono you know i mean we it, for some reason we can't even ha- handle the most simplest of defensive stunts i mean Anytime the they, the defense line twists, you know, bring the defensive in and loop them around the defensive tackle, cannot seem to fucking figure it out. I mean, it's a yep. simple communication. I mean, there's the one play where the two guys, they, they looped them around, and then our guard ended up blocking our fucking tackle and then fell into each other. And so we have two offensive linemen laying on top of each other while we have a DN, you know, swooping around, you know, coming up the middle. It's like – it's Yeah, it's not like we're – Like, how do you how do you, how do do you you go on Monday or Sunday, whatever day you guys watch film and just go, I mean, what do you even – what do you say to your teammates? What do your teammates even look at you like when it's like, oh, I see you two fucking dummies laying on top of each other, our quarterback's running for his fucking life. Yeah, you guys I mean, out here trying to sell furniture. Yeah, we. I remember going and watching film. It was always on Sunday nights in college, and and if I if I had a pick or two in a game the the day before, you better believe I was not looking forward to that film right. session because I at the, at those times where I knew that everyone's eyes were on my my screw up in the game, yep. I wanted to crawl into a hole and die because like I didn't eye in the sky. Don't lie, okay, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 got to change but and like you said too this this offense is kind of designed to you know make it a little bit easier on the offensive line yeah you got a guy back there making motherfuckers miss making plays for you yeah. giving his all balling out and you know you guys you guys can't even give him anything in consistency you know a, we're not we're not, ask, pass. we're not asking you what iowa and wisconsin and Notre, and uh northwestern are doing and just yeah. Power the ball down the grade, motherfucker. Yeah, we're, you know? we're, I mean, we're in shotgun every play and running zone reads and and off tackle stuff and right. and play action and and going down the field with the ball. You know, you're you got to exist in about two seconds and then and then just tr- try and make a play downfield. But it's not like we're asking you to hold blocks for three, four, five seconds. I mean, yeah, 
I don't know. It's it's frustrating. It's got to be better, guys, is what we're saying. It's yes. got to be better. You guys calling yourselves the pipeline, which I told you last week was a fucking joke. Cliff Shit. notes, got to be better. <laughs> Cliff notes, you got to be better. That's it. Um, but, you know, like I said, general consensus and, consensus and overall after the game, um, we liked what we saw out there. So um, if we keep that up, we're going to give ourselves, you know, a chance to be in all these games and a chance to win. So that's it, you know, on the road at number 20, looking for that first road Big Ten victory. So um, I'm excited for the game one because it's a night game. So that's always exciting. Uh, get off this uh, 11 a.m. thing. I mean, um, it's it's kind of nice, you know, seeing the game first thing in the morning. But, uh, you know, a night game is always special. And it sounds like Michigan State really isn't known to be uh, a very intimidating place. But uh, the coaches out there, you know, trying to rally the troops to get out there and uh, – sell them tickets and they're trying to do the stripes, you know, the green and white stripes through the stadium and this, that, and third. So, um, you know, they're putting a lot of eggs in this basket, you know, they, the fan base is re-aggravated, react, in, I, I reinvigorated that word. Re, that word right there. Um, you know, they've got a three and three and O team that's looking like they're playing good football. So they're going to be excited to see their team come home and play against Everybody in the Big Ten always likes to see Nebraska, you know, whether we suck or we don't, you know, they <laughs> they want to see see us get beat. So the fans are going to be into it, and uh, I'm going to be looking forward to it myself. So um, prediction, Zach, what do you think we see out there Saturday? I think uh, the I line think- is five. Michigan State is favored by five. So, And I believe the uh, over-under is 48. Don't quote me on that over-under, but the line is definitely five. Oh, I don't. I haven't even thought about a score prediction yet. So this is going to be just right off the top of my head. But I'm going to go with Nebraska. I I, I think we're going to win. I do. I think we're finally going to get a ranked opponent under Frost. But I think we got to go Nebraska 28 because there's not going to be any field goals, obviously. And then uh, Michigan State 17. Okay. And I was, you know, I was going to say 27-24, but since you brought up the field goal thing, it's like, oh, yeah, we're not going to kick them fucking things. <laughs> Probably even going to go for two some of the time. So um, it, it's going to be in that 27-24 range. Um, I think we're going to see some two-point conversions going from Nebraska. Um, but I think Nebraska goes in there and gets a close victory and, uh, you know, hopefully springboards us into, uh, you know, Big Ten play. And uh, we can take that and ride it uh, to – a bowl game this season. So that's about it, guys. I uh, appreciate you tuning in. Um, Zach, anything else? I just have one thing to say. There are no such thing as moral victories, just scoreboard victories. Go Big Red. That's it. Go Big Red. We'll see you guys after next week. This is the Big Red Revival.